And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Tony. I swear, man, we could totally change the name. Look, it's not going to be hard. We just get some new artwork made. Jazz Notes is really catchy. Listen, <laughs> don't come on my podcast wilding out. <laughs> welcome okay. to Game Notes. It's David there we go. And Tony Jones. There it is. Tony, uh, look, I want to jump right in because there's a lot going on. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday the 22nd, so opening night. Uh, Merry coming Christmas up in a few to everybody. Hours. Yeah, we got Christmas coming up this week, and and obviously it's a weird one, and everybody's not going to be able to see their families, but you know, hopefully everybody's staying safe and uh, and enjoying the holiday season. But Christmas came early for Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. Yes, it did. <laughs> a five year, two hundred five million dollar extension. Not bad, huh? Um, I thought it was a good outcome for both sides. Yeah, that's a win win. Okay, so what are the questions that you have with the contract? I don't have any. I think the contract is good. You think the contract is good all the way around? Yeah, for both sides involved in the deal. Now, if the right. Knicks had signed Rudy Gobert to a five year, two hundred five million dollar contract, it's a different story. Because the Knicks are right. bad, and you know what? I think you just—I think you just hit on a key component there. Because I think you see on social media, well, Rudy Gobert is getting two hundred dollars, two hundred million. He's getting two hundred million. That's the third, you know, biggest contract in NBA history. Yada yada yada. But here's the thing: Rudy Gobert is worth two hundred million dollars for the Utah Jazz, and I say for the Utah Jazz in all capitals. If you can picture me. Saying all capital letters out of my mouth, that's what it looks like. For the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert is worth $200 million because he is the entire system defensively. He is the system. Number two, the Jazz have spent seven years developing him. And number three, if Rudy Gobert walked, the Jazz would not be able to replace him. Number four, the Jazz just signed uh, Donovan Mitchell to a rookie contract extension. You cannot lose Rudy Gobert if you hope to keep Donovan Mitchell around for his third contract, not his second contract, his third contract. So for all of those reasons, you had to sign Rudy. And for the fifth and most important reason, if Rudy Gobert did not sign on Wednesday, if the two sides did not agree, there was still a good possibility that Rudy and the Jazz would have agreed in the offseason. But the problem with that is the Jazz went through the entire 2016-2017 season asking questions about who? Gordon Hayward. And they did not want to go through that again, even if they were confident that the outcome would have been different than what that outcome was with Gordon Hayward. They just did not want that hanging over their heads, the front office this year, because frankly, there is a lot of internal hope that this could be a pretty good team. Well, look, Rudy Gobert is 28 years old. He'll turn 29 during the playoffs. This is a good contract. You know that you're a playoff team now that you have Rudy Gobert for the next at least three years. Let's say the last two years of that deal, the wheels fall off like they do for many of these contracts. You're paying up front for that production, right? The back end, you know it might be a waste, 
But there's nothing about Rudy's game that makes me think he won't be an effective NBA defensive center for the duration of that contract. So you know that your floor is playoffs. Also, as you mentioned, the Donovan Mitchell thing. You just signed Donovan Mitchell. What kind of a message does it send to your new franchise player if you let the other guy that actually is important to getting you guys to where you want to be, if you let him walk next summer, or if you don't lock him up now? That's the big thing. It's very much about the internal messaging. And I think that that's important. It's an important thing to remember when you look at the amount of money that Rudy Gobert got, which is, yeah, certainly a crazy amount. And likely more than he would get on the open market. But for the Jazz, are they landing any big free agents in the next few years? You're not laying another Rudy Gobert. That's right. And that's the thing. Like, there's nobody. So if Rudy Gobert walks, right, the Jazz have, what, seven or eight million dollars in salary cap room. Good. You can go and land a mid-level free agent. Congratulations. Okay. You know, (laughs) people keep saying, oh, well, $200 million, $200 million. That's crazy for Rudy Gobert. Hey, I don't really think that's crazy for Rudy Gobert because, I mean, I think that he's a top 15 to top 20 player. It may be in a vacuum. It may be a slight overpay. But, I mean, Rudy Gobert, for me, in a vacuum, I'm talking about, like, let's say he was with the New York Knicks. In a vacuum, you know, a three-time All-NBA guy, an All-Star, two-time defense player of the year. You know you're going to be a 50-win team with him in the lineup regardless. You know, that's worth close to $200 million, especially – you know, considering that Gobert has left money on the table, uh, he left money on the table in his second contract. Truth be told, he's leaving money on the table this year in this contract. I just look at what the Jazz did, and I think that it was a good number for them considering that this contract could have gone all the way up to $228 million. And it's a, certainly a good contract for Gobert. And, you know, no matter what you sign Gobert to, in terms of the salary cap, in terms of what your flexibility is going forward, the Utah Jazz are going to have to do a couple of things. They're going to have to draft well. They're going to have to identify free agents at the mid-level level well, you know, and they're going to have to develop the guys that they draft well because, you know, Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert are your guys. And now Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, that's your team, right? Like those are your guys. So Donovan Mitchell has to become a top 10 player if the Jazz want to win a championship. And Rudy Gobert's got to maintain his level, like you said, Dave, for at least three to five years of this contract. But this is what good teams have to do, right? Like, this is inevitable. It's actually a sign that your team is doing the right thing because you have two guys that you want to sign to these extensions. Like, this is this is good news. And it's just the money that people look at the Gobert situation and they say, wow, that's an insane amount of money for a center, uh, especially a center like Gobert. But listen, man, their net rating is eight points better in the playoffs in that series against Denver last year with Rudy on the court versus when he was off. And that matches what it's been forever. They are a top five defense with them on the court. They're bottom five with them off. I just don't get how people don't understand the amount of value that he brings to the court. And by the way, it's not just defensive. We saw how good that this offense can be with four shooters around Rudy Gobert. Seemed like it worked pretty well. Tony. Yeah, it works well. And Rudy's gravity offensively going towards the rim is insane. That is obvious. And, you know, his ability, like you said, you know that your floor is with Rudy and Donovan Mitchell, your floor is your 50 win team uh, every year. And that has value 
more, I would guess, in Utah than it does if you're the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers are going to be popular even when they were bad. I think the Jazz need to be good, right? That part I agree with. I do think that internally this Jazz infrastructure, whether it be the players, whether it be the front office, I think internally being a 50-win team, being a second-round exit – that's not enough for them. They want a championship. Like, but this the is minimum, not, the bare minimum right. for them is they need to be a playoff team. And I agree with that part. But I also think, you know, and I wrote this in, in the story that I wrote, Rudy's got some proving to do. Like, there's a reputation around the league that Rudy Gobert is an 82-game player rather than a 16-game player. And that means that he's better in the regular season than he is in the playoffs. And I think that the numbers probably don't back that perception up. They don't. But the perception is there regardless. So how do you switch that perception? Well, the biggest way you switch that perception is simply you just win in the playoffs, right? Like you go out, you get to the Western Conference Finals. You go out, you get to the NBA Finals. You go out, you win a championship. As rather... You go and you lose in the first round for two or three three years straight. Or you win in the first round, but you get absolutely destroyed in the second round by the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. So I think that if the Jazz can find a way to be more competitive at the highest level, then you know that perception will start to, to turn around for Gobert. It's less of a perception for Mitchell because obviously Mitchell's had some really eye-popping playoff series and you know, as opposed to Gobert having good playoff series, but what Gobert does doesn't really jump off the page a lot of the time. So it's really interesting, you know, what the perception is of the contract. But for me, if I were given a letter grade out, it would be an A for the Jazz. It'd be an A for Rudy Gobert. Well, we'll talk a little bit in a moment about your article from last week. You go through what Utah is going to try to do to maximize Rudy Gobert on the offensive end. But first... Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Tony, last week at The Athletic, you wrote about how the new Utah's Jazz offense has embraced pace and space. Now, they're shooting a lot of threes. Now, this started in the bubble. Is that a carryover effect from this, or is this just kind of where they wanted to go anyway? It's a lot of a carryover effect because, you know, when we were in the bubble, well, I say we, who is we? Because I wasn't in the bubble. But (laughs) when the Utah Jazz were in the bubble, Quinn Snyder, you know, he told us, hey, we've got a lot of guys that can go off the dribble. We got a lot of the guys that can shoot the ball. We're going to get some shots up. And they went and got a lot of shots up in the bubble, and they've gotten a lot of shots up in the preseason. And for context, the Jazz shot 33-pointers in the first half of two preseason games, and I don't think they've ever done that as a franchise. You know, they're getting up and down the floor. They're pushing the ball. They're shooting 
threes one-on-one in transition. They're getting into the lane and kicking out for threes. It kind of almost looks, I don't know how Jazz fans will feel about this, but it kind of almost looks Houston Rocket-ish, right? Like Interesting. you're either shooting threes or you're getting into the lane and and trying to uh, to get to the lane. Now, the Jazz are not eschewing the mid-range shots like the Rockets did. You know, Donovan Mitchell's still pulling up for a lot of mid-range looks. You know, they're not throwing that part of the game out. But, you know, it just kind of reminds me of, like, dynamic ball handler starts the possession, takes pick and roll, gets into the lane, either gets to the basket or kicks out, and there goes a, a jump shot going up. So it's really interesting to watch. What do you think? Well, I mean, that's one way to ensure that you always have plenty of spacing is just four around Rudy, let him run the pick and roll with, you know, you got a lot of really good pick and roll guys. You can put four great pick and roll ball handlers on the court with Rudy at one time. I think that that kind of works then you put Rudy into the position to be even more effective because he's not just setting screens for one guy I think the the issues start to pop up when you have you know Joe Ingles maybe not shooting aggressively enough or what if Mike Conley's shot isn't falling and then holding up on the defensive end when they're in that small you know those smaller lineups I still think we're going to see plenty of favors at the four but it looks to me like this is a full-on commitment to four shooters and a big and maybe we don't see favors and, and Gobert play together that often well I think the, the unique part about this is and and I think what's you mentioned with the size around Rudy as relative to shooting I think that the unique thing is that the Jazz can keep Boyan well obviously keep but the Jazz have Boyan Bogdanovich out on the floor and Boyan is a big six foot eight and Joe Ingles is actually a big six foot eight so if you stand next to those guys it's kind of hard to get a a grasp of how big those guys are unless you stand next to them but Boyan and Joe Ingles are both big wings and when they're out on the floor you don't necessarily sacrifice a lot of size in your front court to put the shooting and and the ball handling and the playmaking on the floor as well. And the other thing, you know, to take advantage of the size of Boyan, the Jazz are actually going to post him a little bit more this year. Get him in a mid-post, get him some touches, because Boyan's like a a tight end in football. He's kind of a little bit too quick for traditional bigs to guard off the dribble, and he's, you know, kind of too big for a lot of the wings in this league and a lot of guards in this league. And, you know, there are a lot of teams that try to put length on Donovan Mitchell, which means that if you're putting length on Donovan Mitchell, then you're probably trying to throw a small guard somewhere else defensively, you know, so he's a little bit of a a mismatch in some matchups. So I do think that there's variety in the offense, but the pace that the Jazz are playing with is really noteworthy. They're really getting the ball up and down. You know, Mike Conley's playing off the ball for, you know, the first time that I can see in his career in terms of being like really exclusively off the ball when Donovan Mitchell's in the game. Donovan Mitchell's playing on the ball, and it's something that should lead over into the regular season, and it'll be interesting to see how it works. Let's talk about how we think it might work opening night. They play the Trailblazers. The Blazers had some big changes to their roster, getting Robert Covington, adding Derek Jones Jr. Obviously, we all saw Yusuf Nurkic in the bubble and how good he looked. Roddy Hood is back for Portland. That's going to be a tough matchup right off the bat. Yeah, it's going to be a matchup where the Jazz are going to find out a lot about themselves. Like, what do we know about Portland whenever they play against the Jazz? The one thing that we know is that Damian Lillard is going to score 40 points. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Who's guarding Dame? Doesn't matter. (laughs) 
So he's driving 40 no matter what. They just don't have the bodies. He gives Utah the blues. I don't know why, but he just gives the Jazz the blues every single time they play against each other. So we already know that if the Jazz want to win on Wednesday night, they're going to have to survive Dame scoring 40 points. To be honest, if Dame goes out and drops 30 or 35, that's probably a massive win for Utah. You know, so the Jazz are going to have to do two things. They're going to have to not let those 40 points become 60 points, which is what Dame has actually done against the Jazz a couple times. And they're going to have to control somebody, right? You know, if Dame scores 40 they can't let C.J. McCollum drop an inefficient 25 to go with that 40. Or, you know, you can't let Nurkic go 19 and 18 with seven assists. Or, you know, Robert Covington can't drop seven threes. Because you already know that Dame is scoring 40, so you have to figure something out elsewhere. The Jazz are going to have to figure out a way to compensate for that 40 on the offensive end. So if Dame drops 40, Donovan should go out and get 30. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, I reasonably think the Jazz are the deeper team or, you know, the team with the the better bench. But, you know, we don't know that until we see it in the, in the regular season. I will say this, though. Remember, we talked a lot about continuity the last couple of weeks. Portland's adding some some pretty important pieces. And I think that that could take them, a, you know, it could take them a couple of weeks. Now, luckily... It's Robert Covington, which might be one of the most plug-and-play pieces in the NBA. But still, it's not the same as as what you have in Utah, where those guys are going to go out and play basically the same way they've been playing together for a couple of years now. Yeah, and the continuity, the Jazz are hoping that the continuity means a lot. I don't think that it's as pronounced with Portland as people are trying to make it seem because, I mean, Damon, CJ, and Nurkic have been playing together for right. years and years and years. And, you know, when you have that infrastructure, I think that that kind of supersedes putting together, you know, one or two new pieces well in particular they played with mo harkless and al farouk aminu and were right, pretty so they good played with the, and those the, guys the, are awful compared type. to robert covington right well but covington is a better version of those guys in oh, every for way sure yeah. for sure so you basically it's like oh yeah we know how to play with this guy but he's good so now you're going to want to play you're gonna want to <laughs> give him the ball more <laughs> we know how to play with this guy and he actually knows how to play basketball <laughs> exactly you know it's funny I, I was looking at the schedule and so they've got you know portland opening night well, for them, opening night, and then they've got Minnesota and Oklahoma City. You think they're gonna they're gonna finish these first three games three and zero? That'd be huge. I'm gonna go two and one. Yeah, I think they're they're gonna drop the game to Portland, but then you know clean up against Minnesota and Oklahoma City. But still, you know, it's funny to think about. But one of the, one of the reasons why I'm so high on Utah, you don't want the bum teams now because they're still playing hard now because they still have hope. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I think Utah, like, but you're right. They might they might 
sneak up and catch you. You want Minnesota and Oklahoma City in March. But their season's over already, so yeah, and, well, and nah, they probably know that. Minnesota, like, Cat's going to come out, he's going to hoop. <laughs> D'Angelo, he's going to come out, and he's going to hoop. You want those guys, you want Minnesota and, and Oklahoma City in March after they've been beaten down for a couple of months. <laughs> I think they come in beaten down, man. They play like it on defense, at least. Those guys play defense like they like they had to run three marathons right before the game. Minnesota, like I can see particularly Minnesota, them coming into Vivint, you know, Cat making a bunch of threes, Malik Beasley going getting irrationally hot, dropping 30, D'Angelo Russell – you know, getting hot, dropping 25 with like 15 assists. Okay, so now they're 0-2. That has a potential to be a tough game. I'm just saying. I'm I, just I get saying. it. I get it. It's the NBA, and you can lose to anybody. But I think that there's a very good chance Utah could be 3-0. and And I think if you're Utah, you probably feel like you ought to be at the end of these three games. Not that they necessarily feel like they're a tier better than Portland. I don't think that they are. But that should at least be a 50-50 toss-up, especially no fans. Here's my question. You have those three, right? And then you get Phoenix and the Clippers at home back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And then you go east for seven games. And in that seven-game trip, you have Brooklyn and Milwaukee in that trip. So how important are these first five games before that seven-game trip? Extremely important. Super important. The 72-game season, and this is why I think ultimately the NBA will start lowering the amount of regular season games, it makes every game more valuable. Now, is it like football? No, because they're not going to play 16 games. But still, like getting three wins is massive. What are we saying? 55 wins, 58 wins might be the one seed. Three wins early? That's huge. 58 and 14 will definitely be the one seed. Right. So three wins, I mean, every win is going to be huge, but three wins before January 1st, that'd be massive. And I think they they have a a really good opportunity to bank some of these wins because you know they had the extra time off compared to the Lakers and Miami and the Bucks and and the teams that kind of played deeper into the playoffs than they did. But they also got the mini training camp from the bubble and then this mini training camp. So I think that they should be more ready to play than most other teams. I put Portland kind of in the same group, and I think that early on, the more wins they could pick up. I mean, this sounds so so dumb to say. But they should be able to bank wins this year as opposed to what they normally do, which is scuffle to start and then get those wins in in the second half of the season. Yeah. You know, if you're the Jazz, it's funny because they always kind of ease into the season a little bit, right? Like the last five years, they've been a better second half team. It'll be interesting to see if the Jazz are a good first half team. If they can start seven and two or nine and three or, you know, fourteen and five or something like that. You know, you kind of muddle your way into the to the midseason and then midseason you just turn it on and like every year in a regular year around January, you know, the Jazz go on like a twelve game winning streak. Right. Get things yeah. right. Turn things around, jump from like the the ninth spot in the West to the fourth spot, and you know away we go. Number one, it'll be interesting to see if the Jazz can be a little bit more consistent this year in the regular season. And number two, like you said, this is seventy two games and not eighty two. Ten game winning streaks they mean a lot, but six game losing streaks are going to mean a lot as well. It's going to be a little bit interest more interesting with uh, the condensity of the schedule. Yeah, look, I just ran through the schedule. And just off the top of my head, I think that they could start out like nine and four. Easily. They could, 
with the teams they play, but like a lot of those are going to be on the road. Yeah, and that's the tricky part is that how hard is that schedule going to be on them? What, what did we work it out to? You said it was 37 games? 37 games in 71 days. Yeah. Like you should beat San Antonio, but San Antonio's on the road. That gets tricky. I've seen a bad San Antonio team just handle Utah last year. Well, you know that they're going to play hard, right? Like that's not right. that's not the kind of team that doesn't play hard. You should beat the Washington Wizards, but the Washington Wizards are on the road. They come out, Bradley Beal drop forty, Davis Bertans, and any Ivia can get hot from three point range, and you, you just <laughs> don't know. Well, Russell Westbrook could go off for fifty. You know, I didn't mention Westbrook, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, look, we're excited. What are we going to do next week? We're going to look back on the first week. Is that our plan? We're going to look back on the first week next week. We're going to see if, wait a minute, we got to make our predictions. So oh, oh. I'm saying two and one for this week. Oh, two and one? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to say two and one. That's like the conservative pick there. But I see the path to three and oh. I mean, this is a good basketball team, and I think that that first game against No, Portland, no, 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 no. We don't say buts. What are we, what are we putting down on paper? So I'm gonna say two and one. I'm gonna say two and one. Are we tracking this? Somebody tracking this. Somebody listen and track this for us, and let's see at the end of the year who who gets more weeks. But we're gonna be tied on this one. So two and one. You know what? Forget it. No, no, no. Let's change. We won't go week by week. We won't go week by week. I'm going three and (laughs) oh. I'm putting it down three and oh. Undefeated. No, we won't go week by week. We'll go game by game. So so I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, they're two and one. By the time we're back here next week. Okay. I'm going to amend my statement again. Two and one. Okay. All right. And we'll we'll keep track of this all year and we'll see. I guess winner gets a steak dinner. How about that? Okay. So listen, if I win, right? You buy me a dinner. If you lose, you buy me a dinner. Okay. But if I win, can I just will my steak dinner to Eric Walden from the Salt Lake Tribune because I owe him. I'm probably going to owe him. <laughs> okay. Listen. I- <laughs> Are you... <laughs> All right, so listen, me and Eric You're Walton, re-gifting. You're trying to re-gift a one-steak dinner. I have never heard this in my life, Tony. Now that he no longer plays for the Jazz, um, we got to make this public. So me and Eric Walden, who's the fine Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, we have a bet. The bet is whether Tony Bradley plays 10 years in the NBA. He's at year four. <laughs> I think you're winning that bet. Wait, who made who who said he won't? I said he will. Eric said he won't. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, <laughs> so now you're trying to re-gift a, a steak dinner. Pretty amazing. I don't know why, but once every two or three weeks, you know, I wake up and there's a text message from Eric's number and it just has no text to it. It's just like a picture of Ruth's Chris. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's Game Notes. Make sure you go, guys go over to The Athletic. Check out all the work that Tony's doing. Again, the, he just wrote a great piece where he dug into the offense a little bit and he broke down the Rudy Gobert contract. I mean, kind of all the stuff we talked about here, but more because it's very Utah focused. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Tony and I will be back next week. Very excited to have actual basketball games to talk about not preseason not training camp not offseason the nba is back and we'll be back next week with more game notes as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with betmgm this season we'll be using betmgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for betmgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with betmgm here's how it works 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.